After 240,000 miles, in 76 hours, on July 19, 1969, Neil Armstrong messages Mission Control in Houston. He says the famous line, the eagle has landed. Almost seven hours later, he steps out onto the moon and says, that's one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. This is one of the biggest moments in human history. But depending on one's vantage point, the effects of that one moment differ. For those in the U.S., it's a feeling of joy, pride, amazement, astonishment. For those of the Soviet Union, there's a feeling of defeat. For Neil Armstrong, for Buzz Aldrin, it's a feeling of accomplishment of everything that they had worked towards. But also from their vantage point, what a view. What a view. Our vantage point, the way that we see things matters. It helps us interpret the world around us, the things that we feel, the things that we see, the things that we experience. The passage that we're going to look at today in the Gospel of Luke is going to be in chapter 19. And it's one of the few passages that we have in Scripture that we find in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record what we are going to read, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. All four of them write about it, but all have different vantage points. They point out different things. One event, four different vantage points. Now, it's important to pay attention because obviously if the biblical authors included this in their gospel, they wanted us to understand it. They wanted to undersee the importance of it. And actually, if you look through the whole of it, the, the things that happened this week from the time that Jesus enters to Jerusalem until Easter Sunday, these are the most stories that we find similar in all four gospels because... For the gospel writers, this was a very, very important week. Four different experiences, four different vantage points, one event. And just as a reminder for us, before we read the passage, Jesus, over the last several weeks, has been journeying to Jerusalem. We've seen miracles, we've seen the things that he's taught along the way, but all of it was building towards this was entering Jerusalem at this specific time. And we'll talk about that. But today, he is going to arrive in Jerusalem. And so let's take a look at what happens there. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles, if you have them, to Luke 19, starting in verse 28. If you have your Luke books, it will be on page 130. Luke 19, starting in verse 28. When he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany 
at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples and said, go to the villages ahead of you. As you enter it, you will find a colt tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent left and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? The Lord needs it, they said. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their clothes on the colt, they helped Jesus get on it. As he was going along, they were spreading their clothes on the road. Now he came near the path down the Mount of Olives, and the whole crowd of disciples began to praise God joyfully with loud voices for all of the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest of heaven. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd told him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Jesus answered, I tell you, if they were to keep silence, the stones would cry out. Welcome to Palm Sunday here at Calvary. The Sunday before Easter is commonly known as Palm Sunday because on this particular day, this event took place. And Luke is actually the only gospel account that doesn't mention palm branches. In Matthew, Mark, and John's accounts, they say that they had taken these palm branches and laid them on the ground along with their clothes. But Luke just mentions that they took their clothes off and laid them on the road. And they did this as kind of a red carpet treatment for Jesus. Now there's another reason which we'll talk about here in just a few moments, but the main thing that they were trying to do for Jesus as he is entering into Jerusalem is honoring him by clearing and making a path for the donkey to travel as he enters into Jerusalem. But I want to look at four different vantage points today. The first one is this. The one of the two disciples. Now, in all four Gospels, we never get the name of the disciples. So we don't know which two he sent. But he sent two disciples to the village ahead of them to get the donkey or the colt that he was going to ride on. Now, when I was first reading this, there was a part of it that I was a little bit confused because it seemed odd that they would go and just take this donkey and all they had to say is the Lord needs it and everything was fine. But specifically what's going on here, in this culture and time, it was socially acceptable for someone that had political authority or religious authority to borrow someone's property for a short amount of time, and that was fine. There wouldn't be any issue with that. And so that's what's going on here. When they say the Lord needs it, the owner there understands that this is someone with some religious authority. And because of that religious authority, they, he's going to borrow this donkey. And that's why everything went peacefully. But I think it's interesting, the vantage point of this disciple, yes, they knew that that was something that was going to happen, but I like the line in there that Luke includes, it happened just as he told them it would. And how many times for the disciples did something happen just as Jesus said it would? That happened often. So the vantage point for these two disciples is that Jesus is speaking things into existence and fulfilling 
prophecy. Remember, the disciples are Jewish, and so they know their Old Testament really well. And so what they will also realize, not only by going and getting this donkey for Jesus to ride in on, but through this, Jesus is fulfilling the prophecy that we see in Zechariah. In Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, Zechariah is a prophet, and he's prophesying about what is going to happen when the Messiah comes. And this is what Zechariah says in Zechariah 9, 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout in trumpet and triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble, riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. By Jesus doing this, he is fulfilling a prophecy, and the disciples would have recognized that. And this is one of many events over the next week that Jesus is going to go through to fulfill more and more prophecy. And the gospel writers, especially Luke here, wants us to understand that this is what Jesus is doing. Many of these prophecies are being fulfilled because he is the Messiah. And that is what Luke is wanting us to understand. And that is what Jesus is wanting the disciples, the disciples and his followers to understand as well. They were desiring someone to come in to rule, to overthrow the Roman government. But that's not who Jesus was. And we see that as he comes in on a humble donkey. Vantage point of the disciples is someone is of Jesus fulfilling prophecy. When I was in fifth grade, uh, I played at school basketball. PTO basketball is what they called it. It just was held within the school. And this is a fourth and fifth grade league, so finally I am top dog before we move into sixth grade where we start traveling around and playing all of the other schools. And so I'm excited about this season. Here's my opportunity. I want to try to put together the best team that I can put together within my school. And so there was um, a kid that was supposed to be on the team that last minute decided he didn't want to play. So that gave us an open roster spot. And there was a kid who went to our school. His name was John Polston. And John Polston was the best athlete in our school. John Polston would go on to play varsity football, won a state championship, would go on and play quarterback and catcher at the Air Force, play both sports Division I. So he was quite the athlete. But his dad was not going to let him play fifth grade basketball at the school because they had higher achievements. He needed to get ready for AAU season. And so playing fifth grade basketball was not going to be worth his time with everything else that he had to do. But I think that I'm pretty persuasive, even in fifth grade. And I think, you know what, maybe I can get John to play and I can convince his dad to play to increase my chances of winning the fifth grade championship. So I get to work. I call John, go to his house. They live in the neighborhood, ride my bike over there, talk to him, talk to his dad. Come on, we got this one roster spot, me and him playing together. That's going to give us a really good chance to win this championship. We should, we should really do this. And I convince him and his dad to let him play. We're a pretty good basketball team. Spoiler alert, we don't win the championship. 
But the part that I didn't think about, so once this happens, I'm super excited, right? I think, here we go. I'm excited about the potential of what is to come. But as the season progressed, it's probably as I remember it now, however many years ago, it was one of the more frustrating seasons for me. Because John was a great athlete, and he was a good basketball player, and he was much better than I was. But what did that mean? I didn't get as many shots as I wanted. The offense didn't run through me like I was hoping that it would. And so my experience of having John on the team and what that was going to look like differed by the time the season ended. My expectations of what was going to be were, were, were wrong. And I was a little disappointed in that. My vantage point in that situation had changed over time. And the same is true for the disciples and those in the crowd as Jesus is coming in. That's the vantage point I want to pay attention to next, is the vantage point of the disciples. As I said, they laid their clothes on the donkey. They laid their clothes on the ground in order that they, that they would honor Jesus as he came in. Again, a lot of times Luke doesn't record this, but in the other Gospels they say, Hosanna, Hosanna, as they come in. And they, what they're saying is as they're honoring him, yes, it is to, to, like I said, to lay a red carpet down, but also as he is traveling down from the Mount of Olives. And what you will read this week as you read through the story of Jesus' last week on earth, he goes back and forth from Bethany to Jerusalem. He stays overnight in Bethany, but during the day he travels to Jerusalem. Well, that path from Bethany to Jerusalem by the way of Mount of Olives is a very steep path. And so part of this was to help the donkey have some traction because, again, it's not a very strong animal. And so because of that, they're trying to provide traction for the donkey, but also honor Jesus in that. And we get that by what they say. So we read here in Luke 19, verses 38. This is what the people are saying as Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. And what they're saying here, they're reciting a psalm, which was very popular, a very commonplace for the Jewish people, is they would recite psalms as people are going through. And this, this specific psalm is Psalm 118, verse 26. That's what they're reciting as he is coming into town. But what they do is they change the lyric of that psalm. And they add into it, king. Because what they're saying what their expectation is as Jesus is entering in is that Jesus is the king and he is going into our capital city and he is going to overthrow the Roman governments. We've seen all of the markets. He's done the miracle. He, he's given us life. We believe he is the king. and We want to honor him as he is coming in. They were honoring him the best way they knew how. For the disciples and those in the crowd that were following him, their vantage point was one that Jesus was the king riding into Jerusalem, ready to rule. They were ready to give their allegiance to him. These are the same people as they shout Hosanna and great is the king that in about five short days are going to be yelling, crucify him, crucify him. Their expectation of what was going to happen changed. 
their tone is going to change. But for now, their vantage point is Jesus marching into the capital city, ready to rule. The third vantage point is that of the Pharisees. The Pharisees, again, are the religious rulers at the time. And the Pharisees' vantage point is this. Jesus is one coming to disrupt the power and influence that they have. And they're not excited about it. They're standing in the crowd watching all of this happen. Watching all of this happen, and specifically around the time of Passover. And we'll talk about Passover here in just a moment. But this is, one of the, this is the highest holiday in the Jewish community. And a lot of times, a lot of people will travel to Jerusalem for the Passover feast and festival. So the religious leaders who've been dealing with Jesus, and Jesus has been problematic for them for a while now. But now, for the first time, he's entering into Jerusalem, and he's entering into Jerusalem in their mind at the wrong time. They have a lot to plan. They have a lot to get ready for. And now Jesus is coming in and with him, all of these crowds of people. And this is not going to be okay. This is going to disrupt what they have planned for their high, holy holiday. And so they rebuke, they tell Jesus, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to be quiet. Again, they believe what they're, what they're saying is blasphemy. They believe by, by saying that Jesus is the Messiah, that that was not okay to do. And so they are wanting him to stop. One, from what they're saying, but two, as for, for the time of year it specifically is. Up to this point, Jesus has been a major thorn in their side. And they are ready for this to be over. And they are asking Jesus to rebuke because they is now disrupting the authority and the power that they have. They want him to shut it down. But at this point, Jesus is not backing down. He's not pulling anything back. We've read over the last several months where Jesus would do some miraculous things. And after he would heal someone or after he would give this great teaching, a lot of times what he would say is, don't tell anybody, for my time has not yet come. But now his time had come. And we're going to see over this next week that Jesus is not going to be pulling punches anymore. He is going to start speaking truth. He is, go he is going to have several very intense interactions with the religious leaders in Jerusalem because he is preparing for his ultimate mission and purpose in the world. Preparing for that. And he is wanting to step into that. Like I said, he was coming into Jerusalem during Passover for a specific purpose. This was not like, hey, I'll get there when I get there. No, as he was traveling towards Jerusalem, he was doing it to make sure that he was going to enter into Jerusalem during Passover. That was very purposeful and very strategic because what Jesus is wanting people to understand, and from Jesus' vantage point, that's the fourth vantage point I want to talk about today. From Jesus' vantage point, he is going to be the ultimate sacrificial lamb. So to fully understand that, I want to go back and I want us to understand a little bit and remind you what Passover was like. So Passover, this specific holiday for the Jewish people, was a time for them to remember when the Israelites were freed from slavery in Egypt by Moses. 
Now, if you remember back to that story, there was a set of plagues that happened. As Moses and Pharaoh are interacting, and Moses is trying to convince Pharaoh to let the Israelite people go, God comes alongside of him, and through this, there are certain plagues that happen. And there are times that Pharaoh's ready to let him go, and then he decides not to. And the final plague was that every firstborn son was going to die. What God told Moses to do was to tell the Israelite people that day to slaughter a lamb, to take the lamb's blood and to put it on the doorposts of their house. And when the angel of the Lord would come in, when it would see the blood on the doorpost, it would pass over that house, saving that son. Ultimately, Pharaoh didn't know that. Pharaoh didn't have blood on his doorpost. And so his firstborn son was, was killed. And at that point, he is fed up and he releases the Israelite people to go. And so every year, the Israelites remember this time with Passover. The time where their people were set free by the blood of a lamb. And so Jesus is being very purposeful here that he wants to enter in during this time because he is going to be the ultimate sacrificial lamb. Everything that happened during that time of Exodus was pointing forward to what Jesus is preparing to do on the cross. Four vantage points. One, a prophetic voice. Two, a messianic king. Three, a religion disruptor. And four, a sacrificial lamb. One event, four different perspectives. All of them meaningful for those who were there. But only one really knew what was going to happen. Only one of those perspectives, only through Jesus' perspective, do we really get a picture and an understanding of what is going to happen. We have the benefit of knowing that. We have the benefit of knowing what's going to happen next Sunday. It's important for us to put ourselves in the shoes, to put ourselves in the place of those who were there at that time. Jesus had the correct vantage point. We have the benefit of knowing what that vantage point was and how things were going to play out. And that vantage point for us should be life-changing. Should be life-changing. Traditionally, today is the first day of Holy Week. This is a week dedicated to reading and remembering Christ's final week here on earth before he died and then ultimately conquered death. This is a week where Christians around the world set different rhythms and structures in their week to prepare themselves for Easter. One of the ways that we do that here at Calvary is we have a Good Friday service. It's at 6.30 this Friday night. 
And I would like to invite everyone here, you and or your family, to come and join us Friday night. It is a somber time. It's a time to reflect, a time of confession, thanksgiving and prayer, recognizing what Jesus went through on Friday before Sunday. And for us, preparing our hearts, preparing our minds for what is to come helps us appreciate what's there. Maybe some of you have given up something for Lent, this 40 to 46 day period leading up to Easter. And one of the main reasons for doing that is to prepare our hearts to sacrifice something in order to turn our attention more to Jesus, but also to help us to celebrate more on Easter. When we just casually go through things and don't stop and really focus on what's going on, sometimes we don't appreciate what the day is. And a lot of times that can happen with us on Easter is that we go throughout our normal spring and everything's been going on. Maybe you went on spring break. Maybe you had a fun time at home. Maybe this is coming into a season for you that's really busy. And so you're just preparing for that and all of a sudden Easter shows up on the calendar. But for us that are followers of Jesus, this is a day for us to celebrate because the sacrificial lamb has come. And in order to celebrate that, it is important for us to journey with Jesus to the cross. So I encourage you, join us on Friday night. And that leads us to our daily training. It's a reading plan this week. You'll find it if you got an insert, it's on, the, it's on that insert. If you didn't get that, you can scan the digital bulletin in the back, uh, on, the back on the seat back in front of you. It's a reading plan that goes through Holy Week, journeying with Jesus each day. Most of it is through Luke. There is a, a passage in there from Mark. And there's a passage in there from Isaiah 53. But I would encourage you this week to set aside some time to journey with Jesus as he heads towards the cross and ultimately to conquering death on Sunday. So maybe for you that week, this, this week, that means you wake up just a little bit early in order to do that. Maybe for you, it means at lunch, you're just going to sit at your desk and you're going to spend time in the Word. Or maybe for you, it's before you go to bed, but you are going to end your day in God's Word, recognizing everything that Jesus had went through, preparing your heart for Easter. Now, the way I'd like to finish our time today is this, is with communion. So go ahead and grab this. If you did not get one of these, go ahead and raise your hand. Our deacons will come forward and they will give you one of these. So for us as followers of Jesus, on this side of the Easter story, of this side of Holy Week, communion is our way of remembering that Jesus is the ultimate sacrificial lamb. Just as the Israelites had Passover, as their way of remembering what God had done for them. This is our way as God's people now to remember Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So in this final week, if you do this reading plan, you will read this story 
where Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples and he took the bread. And when he took the bread, this was the same bread they would have had every Passover, the unleavened bread. But he gave it new meaning. He said, this bread represents my body that is gonna be broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember that right now. Then he took the cup. Said this cup represents my blood shed for, shed for you. And he promised that he wouldn't do it again until he was with us in his kingdom. Let's remember his blood now. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for this reminder. And Father, I pray that it is one that when we take it, we remember your sacrifice for us. And Father, I pray this week, wherever we are at, that our vantage point would be that, that yes, you are a prophetic voice, that yes, you are a messianic king, that yes, you are a religion disruptor, that it's more about relationship than religion. But Father, more than anything, Jesus, you are the sacrificial lamb that gives us hope, that gives us joy, that gives us light that we can walk into, Lord. And as we journey with you towards the cross this week, I pray that you would be very near to us. Thank you for loving us the way that you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray.